freaking out of? This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. On Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you on the internet. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Yes, hello. Nice win for the Mariners last night, or at least a win. Win's a win. <laughs> just kind of... A win's a win, Brock. You don't, you don't think too deeply oh, on yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Feisty little Kansas City team that just makes a lot of contact, swings at everything, and seems to kind of drive this Mariner team crazy. So, I mean, you know what Coach Heward used to say, right? I mean, pretty simple, Salky. Winners win in the end. That's right. All right? You were bringing up a little shout-out to Dave Silverton and his younger brother. You were just telling me a story off the air. Shout-out, shout-out in the first minute. You're right. You convicted me I yesterday. Know. I haven't been shouting out enough. No. So, shout-out to the Silverton clan. And, yeah, man. Winners win in the end. Find a way to win in the end. And if Julio does that uh, and continues to do that and gets over that hump, which has been those late inning, ninth inning deliver, and now it's twice in Kansas City, yep. that is good news. Well, obviously, Julio, good Julio heating up and four for six yesterday and just kind of the hero a few different times. It's a big deal. I mean, you know, we can just keep coming back to what Passon told us. This team will go as Julio goes. When he goes, obviously, yep. you know, they win a whole lot more. So I'll come back to that in a sec. I got I to gotta start off by telling you something. Oh, uh-oh. So the last family few business? days. Huh? Is this family, family business? Well, like it's an offer. Brock and Salk family business? This is an okay. offer that has been made, and I wanted to let you know about it in case you want to take the person up on it. So whoa, whoa. Uh, as you know, the last few days have been prime Larry Salk rule material, right? Every one of these games has been right up my dad's alley. So for those of you who don't know, my dad's rule, the Larry Salk rule, essentially says that when your closer comes into the game in the ninth inning and you're up, you should turn off the game. Go to bed. Nothing good happens. Nothing good can happen. There's no upside. Either he does what he's supposed to do and you feel exactly the same as you did, or he blows the game and you're going to be mad. Or they play extra innings and the next thing you know, you're up until the middle of the night. So it is a it is a fail safe that my dad created years ago and it's probably his greatest contribution to society. And yes, okay. that includes his kids. Do like, you, before you continue, do you want we got a really good testimonial on the Larry Oh, Salt you know what? Morning. I saw that. Do you want to read it? Yeah. Okay. Sam in Spokane says, I explained the Larry Salk rule to my girlfriend earlier this season, but it usually didn't matter. But now, essentially since the All Star break, I've looked at her in the ninth and said, Wanna watch Netflix? And I think our relationship has been better because of it. Hmm. Salk, please tell your pops he's saving lives. Wow, euphemism. But please stop adding to his cockiness. He does not need this ego boost to go any farther. He is not out here saving lives or relationships or anything You know what? Like that. Why can I just picture that, Sam? Sweetie, baseball? It, no, I don't love sports more than you. No, I can drop this. Look, look, the game's going on. And I'm just going to turn to you and spend quality yeah. time with you so right nice now. So nice of you. Wow. Yes, baseball yeah. and sports do not have all my so attention. you mentioned yesterday, Brock, that you had uh, purchased a uh, an athletic supporter in honor yes. of my dad. So Should be coming tomorrow. So yes. I told him this yesterday. I was like, hey, uh-huh. I don't know if you heard, but Brock actually, you know, when I was talking about you the other day, was so <laughs> wanted to honor you that he bought an athletic supporter. My dad, of course, thinks nothing of this. He's like, oh, was he, doesn't he have one already? I'm like, no. Uh, no. He's like, well, what does he use when he, like, runs? Like, well, daddy wears compression shorts like 99.9% of the people on this planet do anything athletic. 
He's like, oh, like my, he doesn't even really know what that is. He's never really done or worn spandex or compression shorts in his life. Like when he goes running or to play a sport, he, he will put on an old school jock, a jock strap. And if anybody's ever seen one of the, you probably have it because they don't really exist anymore. Brock had to like find one used on eBay in order to get this. He like, they basically cover up and hold on to your important parts and then just have straps along the back. So there's no butt. There's no sides. They just support your stuff. That's it. That is the entirety of the athletic support. I'm really glad that you explained that to everyone. Well, most people don't know what that is anymore. Right? Brock, when's the last time you actually saw somebody use one of those? Oh. 40 years? Probably. It's probably been 35, 40 years since anybody has used these. But my dad continues to believe that this is the best way to play sports and protect yourself. Right. So anyway, I tell him, Brock, that you have recently purchased an athletic supporter. And my dad, true story, has generously offered to sign it for you (laughs) if that's something you would like. Oh, my God. He said you can mail it to him, and okay. he will happily sign it and then okay. bring it out with him when he comes to Seattle in October. Okay. Or mm-hmm. when he sees you at spring training next yeah. year, if yeah. you're interested, okay. you can get it signed then. That is terrific news. It's actually a three-pack that's coming. Oh, so, oh, so yeah, you could, I could keep two for yourself yeah, and, and just have one, one signed yeah. and, and then maybe yeah. framed. Sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think but, Molly would probably like yeah. that if you maybe put that up in the living room. A signed Larry. Hey, it's my signed Larry Salk. I know how you or, people love your memorabilia. You know, maybe just put it on in the ninth inning before I go to bed. Right? Just have him sign it LSR. <laughs> Put that sucker on and go to bed. So, sure, Molly would really love that. Yeah, yeah. that's great. So uh-huh. what do you think? Are you in? You want yeah. to, uh, no, you want to I, get your, your jock signed by my I dad? Think so. No, I think exactly. I think this is amazing on a Thursday <laughs> to start the show with this. Way to go. Well, I, it happened so it happened so rapidly yesterday oh, no that I just I yeah. didn't really know what to yeah, do. Good. I couldn't wait to tell you about it. Uh, so, Alright, there you go. That's uh, That was the big news. I also had a conspiracy theory. Yeah, we're going to move on. Yeah. (laughs) Text message says more. I don't know how you do this every day. (laughs) Um, I had a conspiracy theory. I started off the show with it earlier. Do you think Luis Castillo was pitching to contact last night to get deeper into the game? Yes. Oh, you're on. You're into my conspiracy theory. Yes. Yeah. I don't don't think he was looking to get, you know, give up nine hits per se. And in some of the stuff left over the middle of the plate per se, um, but yes, I think he, in his mind last night, went into that game, and I'm sure Pete Woodworth and, and Cal and, and the Skip even, hey, let's you know, let's let's try to be efficient. And so I don't I don't know. I, I would probably tend to land on the side of instead of just pitching to contact, let's be very efficient. Mm-hmm. Let's be very efficient. Pitch efficiency. Let's get through seven innings. Let's let's make sure we get late in this game. I don't need you bearing down to try to get 10 strikeouts and nibble on corners and you know uh, yeah so yeah, I mean, to me I, that sort of means the same thing at that point like how else do you get deep in the game how else are you efficient you got to not yes. focus on strikeouts and instead focus on getting guys out in other yep. ways earlier in the count and he wasn't at his best last night i mean he gave up four runs and a bunch of hard contact it was not vintage luis castillo but I think it's worth noting that he had one walk and only three strikeouts. Correct. That's not normal for him, and I don't think no. it's just that he didn't have his best stuff. No, nor that the Kansas City has turned into the you know '90s Yankees. So, uh, especially the the top of that. I mean, every time that lineup turns over, I'm like, oh gosh. 
Really? Bobby Witt? And, of course, it's Bobby Witt Jr. that has to be the final out last night. And kudos to Brash to, to get soft contact and a little ground ball and to finish that game out. But, yeah, I, I and, you know, maybe Kirby today as well, right? If if Kirby's going to get the ball today, is, is he going to try to strike out 10 guys? Is he going to try to, you know, let me let me just hammer these guys out and let's let's punch tickets or, you know, well, they're going to be it's the other part of it is that that's sort of who Kansas City is. I mean, you they don't strike out a lot. No, they swing at everything. They swing at everything and they make a lot of contact. I yes, mean, they're, they they're a very different kind of baseball team than most of what we see in in the game today. And mm-hmm. they can't pitch, which is what makes it really hard to evaluate what they are outside the pitching they're young they can run they do some things differently and certainly they've been a frustration for these mariners but i think it's hard to judge who they really are because their pitching is so freaking well, bad yep. that it, it it takes takes out anything else they're trying to do yeah, it's kind of like an unorthodox boxer right that just he's gonna land some punches but he's gonna go lefty he's gonna go righty he's gonna be all over I the place he's like one of those guys in uh, blood sport like one of the interesting characters he has to find <laughs> like the guy who like who's like got his hands above his head fighting that style or Is that something where like the that. blood sport at the end where the guy bounced his pecs yeah. like a madman Chung Lee, oh, of course oh, yes huge pecs yes yes tremendous dexterity like watermelons <laughs> with muscles on them yeah all right. Well, Brock and I are in agreement on the conspiracy theory. So everybody who uh, who poo pooed it in the six a.m. hour will have to deal with the consequences of that. Maybe my I want dad to will send you a job trap also. Maura, that was not what you had planned, so we totally apologize for all of that. What do you mean? I mean, well, it's fine to go off script. It was just right. maybe more, yeah, more. What? More of everything than I needed this morning. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah. you know, welcome to my life. You think I wanted to be hearing about this from my dad yesterday? I didn't want any part of it. You yeah. think I wanted Brock to remember this and like as soon as my dad comes up, bring up his athletic sure. supporter each sure. time? Did you send your dad the video of Pete running them gassers in no. 95 degree heat? But I'm going to have to tell my dad, like, yeah. dad. Yeah. It's over. It's over. Yeah. Pete's out there running 100-yard sprints in 100-degree yeah. heat. Maybe you got to tone down the rivalry for a little while. Yeah, he's wearing khaki pants, and he is running like there's no problem. Gino Smith so. called him the ageless wonder. He's pretty well yes, right. My dad's going to have to chill out on that for a little bit. All right, come right back, give you everything you need to know, including other observations from practice, and a whole lot more. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. need to know 15 minutes past every hour with brock and salk here's what you need to know up first well it was a nice win for the mariners not necessarily the cleanest it certainly wasn't unstressful but yeah maybe you just have to accept that kaufman stadium is going to provide some weird games for the mariners and royals when they play each other we did see some important things first of all another huge game for julio rodriguez four hits including the biggest one of the nights the look in by davidson and now the left-handers owen pitch on the way to julio swinging a ground ball wide at first in the right field for a base hit here comes Haggerty on a score. Caballero running second inning for third. The long throw to third. And out at third is Caballero. Didn't matter. Thankfully, uh, that run was unnecessary. Julio does come up with the big hit. And as Scott Service said, when Julio's hitting, everybody's better. You know, offensively, obviously, Julio, huge night tonight. Um, probably the most impressive thing he did tonight was to take the single to the right field. Uh, in a huge spot there in the ninth inning where we need all the insurance runs we can get. It proved to be the winning run in the ball game. And uh, when he does those type of things, he just takes us to another level. I mean, he's an unbelievable, talented player. But playing the game that way and understanding you know, what the situation calls for, it was great to see. And uh, 
you know, he's got the ability to do that stuff. Your guy Teo ended up with the uh, other huge RBI. It was close. I mean, mm-hmm. he hit it off all that far. Mm-hmm. If you're the right fielder there, do you let that ball drop? I, I went back and watched that a couple different times, and they showed a bunch of replays. He did not have a tremendous sense of urgency. I don't think he believed uh, Dylan Moore was going to take up from third. If you watch it, it's kind of like a QB, right? Mm-hmm. When you double pat the ball or you take another hitch, that is a that's the foot. That's the foot and a half difference in that route or where that ball is. It, if he catches it with tremendous urgency and fires home, he's going to get Dylan Moore. Yeah. He did not. He patted the ball. Dylan took advantage of it and, and got on home. How about 22 more hits between these two teams, man? It does. It feels like spring training that, you know, it's hot, it's humid, it's warm. Ball is flying out of there. So, and, so it does matter when it's hot and humid and warm. It, it does affect the ability it, of the ball to travel. Oh, it sure does. Yeah. You know, it sure does. Well, why it, it doesn't was, it look like that in April? Well, not at home. Oh, because it's the weather. Yeah. I thought that was a ridiculous excuse that we should never make. Well, no, it's a, it's a, it's an excuse oh. and, and an explanation. I'll okay. tell you this, too. I wasn't sure. Usually this season when the Mariners have that much traffic and go 4 of 15 with runners in scoring position, <laughs> they don't normally win, but they found a way to win in the end and a uh, chance sure to, to win 3 of 4 with uh, with your ace on the hill That's tonight. for sure. Uh, Astros win. Rangers, Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox all lose. So, Mariners six and a half behind Texas. Only one behind Toronto, but tied in the loss column. Why is that important? It means they control their own destiny. They're four behind Houston, two ahead of Boston. As Brock said, one more little final game in Kansas City today at 11 o'clock. George Kirby on the hill, which means neither Castillo nor Kirby against the uh, Astros, which just stinks. Uh, but other than that, uh, chance to go win this series, 3-1. to one. Here's the second thing you need to know. You know, I had a good time of practice yesterday. It was a little toasty. They weren't in pads, so I thought the offense probably got the better of the defense in general. DK had a really good day. You know who can't cover DK and without pads is Artie Burns. <laughs> that was fairly clear yesterday. I felt bad. DK was just being DK to him. Uh, your guy, Drew Locke, had a pretty good day. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know who Matt Landers is from Arkansas? Receiver that can run? Uh, Kenny. Yeah. 6 4, 4 3, 40. Took two balls back to the house in uh, in uh, kickoff return and another mm-hmm. long catch for a touchdown. I don't know whether he's legit or not, or if he's just sort of you know a freak who can do some things in practice in preseason. Mm-hmm. But he cert- you can't coach four three and you can't mm-hmm. coach six four. Was he one of the three names that Pete rattled off with us? Uh, I have to go other- back and check. Guys who hit twenty miles an hour. Correct in the game. Just I don't flying. know. Don't, don't remember that. Jackson Smith and Jigba had a pretty good game or day as well, though he did drop his first uh, pass mm-hmm. of uh, team portions. Tariq Woolen looked awesome. The only thing I did notice, you know, I'm not going to back off my guy. I love Derek Hall. Thought I saw him maybe lose the edge a couple of times and okay. lose contain. So okay. it's just a little something to note. Three weeks in, you feel differently about this team than you did before training camp started. We are just a day over three weeks. Preseason game number two, Saturday night, right around the corner. The Cowboys come into town. Do you feel better, worse, same than you did three weeks ago before you saw everything you've seen? Mm, I do. I feel a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I trend on that side. A bummer that Devin Witherspoon is going to continue to be out, and I think out for a little bit. Your number five pick, you'd like to see him doing what Jackson is certainly doing and the impression he's making and the availability. But I think all things considered, all in all, three weeks in, I think it's trending the right way for the Seahawks. Here's the third thing you need to know.
Well, the other thing on the Seahawks is what they're going to start doing here roster-wise. They are, what, about a week and a half, maybe two weeks away from having to make decisions, cuts, etc. And it's only one cut group now. It's not like it used to be with a couple different rounds of cuts. It's really just one time where everybody gets cut at once. They got a lot more talent, uh, certainly more than last year. K.J. Wright brought up the idea yesterday that they might be too talented. At certain positions. I don't, maybe not overall, but could they have too much talent at certain positions? And if so, what would that mean? Somebody's going to be mad on game day. I can tell you this. There's going to be some guys that are furious, angry. I'm not getting the playing time. Why me? Why me? Moping around. The leadership on this football team is going to be paramount. Mm. The transparency with these coaches creating the proper expectations. This is what's going to happen. Don't just leave guys, you know, out to dry, like not communicating. You got to communicate with these guys because I know these personalities, these guys are going to be frustrated. If you tell them one thing and you do another. So leadership from player to player and transparency from coaches to player is going to be paramount this football season. I learned. Maybe that's a little bit why Pete was talking to us this week about teaching. Right. And, and really not even learning the learners, but really teaching the teachers how to communicate. Right. That, that is your, your assistant coaches. That is making sure you communicate. That is making sure you are transparent. I tend to believe in this violent game that's full of trauma, that as the season goes on, those issues mm-hmm. usually work themselves out in numbers. <laughs> and you're, you're, re- you're usually kind of scraping for depth. So I tend to believe over the course of the season that will work itself out. But here early, yeah, I think there is something to be said about that. Early in this competition, as you try to set that 53-man roster, and and I think in particular the back end of this defense where it's probably the richest in supply. That is everything you need to know. Uh, we do a quarter past every hour as we uh, yeah get ready for the second Seahawks preseason game just a couple days away. That will be uh, this Saturday night. Uh, I also just a little programming note. Jerry Depoto will join us today, but a little late. He's going to be with us at 9 o'clock this morning. Got to juggle some things around because of the early game and Jerry's schedule. So uh, 9 o'clock, we will talk to Jerry Depoto today about where his team is at, about Julio and his Another Wednesday win. Streak, I mean, a Wednesday win, back-to-back uh, weeks. Three weeks in a row. Three weeks in a row. It's kind of becoming the norm, I would Let's say. Go. Like, you know what the Mariners do? They win on Wednesdays. I don't know what else they do, but they win on Wednesdays. I mean, they've been kind of winning in general over yes. the course of the last month and a half, so yep. probably shouldn't be that surprising. All right. Uh, we play you a little bit of sound there from KJ Wright. I got a couple other things I'd like to come back to, Brock, from KJ, who was just awesome yesterday, and if you get a moment, please uh, go listen to the whole show. Uh, you can find SeattleSports.com, but he said a whole whole bunch of different stuff that I'd like to uh, maybe go a little bit more in-depth on with you. We'll do it next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, SeattleSports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. As great as it is having KJ in for an hour every Wednesday, the only problem is I don't get to, like, have the full conversation with you about it right away. And there were a whole bunch of things he said that I wanted to react to and and chat about with you this morning, Brock. And I think a few of them are going to find their way into Blue 88 in 15 minutes as well. But let me uh, start here with KJ. and, And that is what his thoughts on Kobe Bryant, who he was really, really excited about, whether it's at nickel, whether it's at safety, whatever. He was pretty pumped for Kobe Bryant, but doesn't like the way the numbers look in that room right now for him. When I'm looking at this roster, I'm looking at Mike Jack, I'm looking at Tariq Woolen, I'm looking at Witherspoon. There's, there, there's, no, Brown. 
there's no space for a guy that had a really good rookie debut. There's no space for him. And so what he has to do is just keep working, keep your head down, let everything take care of itself. When they do put you on special teams, when they do put you at gunner, go out there and make it happen. But what I, you know, what I'm happy is that he's not putting his head down. He's not moping around. I could really see his makeup as a man and, and as a football player is that when I step on this football field, I'm going to control what I can control. Mm-hmm. You know how many tackles he had last year? How many tackles do you think Kobe Bryant had last year? 44. 70. Sheesh. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. Now, that's not all like solo tackles and, and assists. So, so that's a combined tackle number right there. But two sacks is, KJ said, a bunch of those forced fumbles early in the year. He was looking like the reincarnation of Peanut Tillman with his little punch and getting the ball out. And, yeah. and I, yeah, I mean, I, once again, I, I think KJ's looking at that through KJ's lenses of, okay, I was the wheel linebacker for 10 years here. Right? I earned my spot. I got my spot. I'm starting every single week. This is the way it's going to go. I'm the man. I'm the man, I'm the man, right next to Bobby Wagner. And I think it's just a, a little bit of a different world. It's going to be a different world on the back end of this defense that I do think maybe he won't say it totally publicly and overtly, but I think Pete is realizing this can be a matchup. This league is getting more and more to matchups, and I need more personnel, mm. right? I need, when I'm facing Cooper Cup and the Rams, uh, I need – Maybe Julian Love, or I need Kobe down in the nickel, or I need Web Witherspoon down in nickel, and I need to move pieces around. And right to have those chess pieces, I'm not going to call them pawns. <laughs> They're more like bishops and rooks. And I, I need to have these guys to take advantage of different matchups. So I get, I get it where KJ's coming from, but I think in time this is going to work out just fine for a number of these. It, guys. O- it always seems to, right? It just it always seems like the game kind of takes care of itself when it comes to uh, little. Now guns. I will say this though: that week one playing safety, I think what that tells me, if I'm reading between the lines, is if and when Devin Witherspoon's healthy and he can come in and be that uber quick guy. He's mm-hmm. he's quicker than and, and faster than Kobe is. Kobe's maybe a little bigger and a little more violent and, and such. So uh, maybe that was a little bit of a tell of hey Kobe. When Devin, when Devin comes and plays nickel, I'd sure like you to have the ability to play some safety back there. Yeah. Right? Because of Con- find, Quan- find a way to get that guy out on the field. That's right. Because right? he does good things. Yep. But you've also got other guys that you want to get on the field and you want to put everyone in the best position to succeed. Uh, I was a little intrigued with this answer. Ask KJ of the young rushers, the young edge guys on this team who had the most upside. Here was his answer. This guy is so fast. This guy could bend so well. This guy is so elusive. He's so creative. And it's Daryl Taylor. And I look at Daryl Taylor. He hasn't even figured it out yet. He has not figured out how good he can be. And I just look at what he brings to the table. He fell into nine and a half sacks last year. He fell into it. He fell into nine and a half sacks last year. And I'm telling you, if it can just click in his brain, like, I am talented, I am good, I'm going to take this coaching from Cliff Averill and Mike B. I'm going to just tap into that dog inside of me. This guy could be a 13, 14 sack type of dude. You buying that? Is he the most talented of the edge rushers? Pure talents? Yes. 6'4", 267, 33-inch arms, twitch. You know, back-to-back season, six and a half sacks. His first time out, nine and a half sacks, as KJ said, right there. And in both of those seasons, was not fully available. But to me, potential, Chuck Knox always used to say, is one quote, potential is a coach killer. 
So, yeah, all the potential in the world, man, but this is really like year four for you, right? A redshirt year with the, with the injury coming into the league, back-to-back years where that availability and durability has just not quite been there, and thus Boye Mafe and Derek Hall are here. Um, so, yeah, he's got, I, th- I think maybe on paper, when I answered that question, I said Chenna because I still think there's more, and I think he can be a perennial Pro Bowl player, and he's proven that to me. Mm-hmm. His, this guy's resume is flash, and that's what KJ starts to bark well, then, at. I, lo- then K- I love when then KJ got the question right and you got it wrong. That's right. Because it's right. an upside thing. Like It's not about what they've proven in the league so far. Of course, if that's the case, Chenna's the answer. 100% with you. But isn't the question, what? who has the highest upside? If they were to put all the pieces together and mm-hmm. were to be able to get it all together, who would be the best? It, the answer still kind of surprised me, and maybe maybe that's on me. I guess I just thought that that was Boy Mafe with his just speed, size, combination, still hasn't learned enough about the game. I guess I figured that Boye would be the guy where if he got – and by the way, you could probably answer any of these kids. You could. I think you could. I think you could make a reasonable case for uh, all four of them, right? I, I think I went the safe route and the conservative route, and, and you're right. If it's just pure flash and style, maybe Uchenna's, you know, got the, the, the lowest rating on the high dive. That, that Daryl Taylor can do the, the, the most exquisite mm-hmm. dive there is. And when, and when it's right, it's unblockable. And he can be that kind of special. He just doesn't show up to the competition week in and week out, which is ultimately what this league is all about. So we also asked KJ about what Pete had told us the day before. I was fascinated by this. Pete telling us that essentially he would play highlights of all the players in order to teach everybody how good their teammates were. And when we played KJ the Pete sound, this was his reaction to it. Mike, what he just said, I never even, I was with this man. Did you know that's what he was doing? No. That just, (laughs) he mind controlled you. That just hit me right then and there what he was doing. Because we all are on the same practice field, right? We're all doing our thing. But guys are like, we have blindfolds on. The DBs don't see what the defensive linemen are doing during one-on-ones. They don't see it. They're doing their own thing. The defensive line don't see what the linebackers are doing in their individual drills. They don't see guys' makeup. They don't see how hard guys are going during individual drills. So what he's doing is that he's showing you, hey, this is the, your guy that you're playing with. Brock, is Pete Carroll mind controlling them? <laughs> Jedi mind trick. Some sort of Svengali? It was a. It was different for me. It was going to Indianapolis was the first time. Now high school, we didn't necessarily do this. We could come in and watch the game in in pieces on on Sundays or what have you. Uh, college and my first three years with the Seahawks, four years Salk, I I never did what we did in Indy, and that was we watched the film as a group. Mm. Now the linemen would go separate because the linemen have all their calls and all their techniques and they can't necessarily, but running backs, receivers, tight ends, QBs, we would watch practice as a group to kind of hammer home that point. You just heard from KJ. Like, no, we don't just all individually go in and watch. That's, that's what we did in Seattle. That's what we did at UW. And you know, we kind of watch our QB drill and then we talk about the receivers. Wow. Look at that terrible round. Oh, why didn't he run that there in Indy? Man, that, that was real. And and I think I've told you some stories where oh, yeah. Baton would even you know call out the position coach like, "Hey, uh, Gene, is, is that where that route's run?" <laughs> like, "Hey, P- hey, Baton, I'll coach the running back." Well, you're not coaching him; he's running at six. I thought, "Hey, Tom, what, how do you want that route?" I want to run it four. Gene, run good, run it four yards. So you know it was at times uncomfortable in that room, but there was a high level of what you asked Pete about trust and accountability. Like, man, you, you break through the confrontation, you break through the insecurities and sensitivities, and, hey, we are all going to get on the same page. Yeah. So, 
I gave the kids last night at football practice a little Tom Moore impersonation. Oh, did they like that? Did they, uh, was that important it, to them? You know, it didn't hit as hard with 13 and 14-year-olds no? as That's it does weird. with 40-year-olds. The, the dads liked it. The coaches all oh, okay. got a kick out of it. Well, this. then I'm sure everything was great. <laughs> I think the kids were wondering, did Mister did Coach Brock just have a stroke? Right, no kidding. Why is he talking like that? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, can, I, can I give one little quick shout-out, too? Oh, course yeah, yes to a player and by the way it struck me last night you know what's a cool kid's name it's not going to be as cool for you because of your history maybe or your background but there's this kid that moved from georgia and his first name is boston and i'm like man that and he looks he's just oh gosh he's just the like greatest boston kid scott. yeah boston scott yes and it it really works i'm like man that is i don't know the, I, the city's awesome the history of the city is awesome it's an amazing city great place to visit uh, but, uh, yeah, his name is Boston and maybe the most encouraging kid I've ever encountered in my life. Oh, yes. how so? Just, I mean, and not even like, not, not an Eddie Haskell. I mean, just a, Hey, great throw, you know, to teammates, a hey, great throw, great catch. Like just, you'll hear all of a sudden, like, where did that come from? Oh, look at Boston over there. You sure he's not an Eddie Haskell? I'm pretty sure he's not. An Eddie I mean, I guess Haskell. my question is, can an Eddie Haskell recognize an Eddie Haskell? Whoa. What? You, you watch your mouth. Well, you don't think that's a fair thing to ask? You think I'm Eddie Haskell? Listen here, Beef. I am not Eddie <laughs> Haskell. <laughs> well, I'm sure this is a relevant uh, conversation. Give me another KJ. What you a got? Very Give me another KJ. reference for I'm all trying the to young, get... <laughs> young folks listening to our show right now talking about, you know, television shows from the 1950s. That yes. seems. Uh... Well, we started with Jock Straps. You might as well go to Leave It to Beaver. What's going to come at you in the 8 o'clock yeah, hour? You can only, only imagine. In our 40s. It's amazing that sometimes this show sounds like it's being conducted by two actual boomers <laughs> instead of two Gen X folks. But, you know, that's what used to happen. We used to pay attention to what our parents said. Yep. Uh, here he Give is talking about KJ. Dre Jones and Jaron Reed and what this new scheme is asking them to do. Jaron is an upfield guy, and if Jones is an upfield guy, Get those guys upfield. Let yeah. those guys play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Let those guys penetrate. Let those guys be disruptive. I'm not paying this guy all this money to catch to catch linemen. I'm not paying this guy all this money to two gap. I need this guy getting TFLs. I need this guy getting quarterback sacks. Mm. I need this guy um, just being extremely disruptive. And so when you look at what they did last year, I, there is no way possible, Brock, that they didn't self-evaluate themselves, that they didn't watch every game and say, we're going to come out here and do this same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Is that how you felt? Uh, yeah, about that that scheme last year and that, that front that would continue to get washed like ocean shores into the linebackers. Yeah, that was that was very problematic. I will say this, and, and, and I think we need to hold each other accountable to okay. this, Salk. And Maura, maybe that means you writing this down. Maura, so hold we, us accountable, please. So oh, we I thought rem- you were saying I need to, like, you too, Maura. Hold no, yourself no, no, accountable. No. Maura, oh, no, no, no. hold yourself you, accountable. This is yeah, important. You just need to write the notes down <laughs> so we remember. I have a sense. Remember what he talked about with Sheldon Richardson last year? Oh, yeah. Like, what, what I did Sheldon want? forget about that one. What did Sheldon want to do? He didn't want to do anything. Sheldon wanted to eat. Right. He wanted to get his own, get my tackles for loss, get upfield, make my splash plays, do my thing. Instead of at times, what? The dirty work where you're taking on blockers. I, th- that therein is a little bit of the scrape, right? Therein is a little bit of the friction of, hey, you know, there are also times where you got to hold that point. Yes, I would love for you to reset that double team on the other line of scrimmage. Very few humans in this league do it. Chris Jones can do it. Very few can. So I don't need you getting all them splashy plays for yourself and leaving me in the second level more vulnerable. So that's a little bit of the give and take. The thought last year was, hey, Puna, 
Al, LJ, you, you boys just hold it down, right? You know, just do a lot of two-gapping and even off the ball, as KJ said, step off the ball a yard to really make sure, you know, we hold the point there and don't get overwhelmed. Well, they were overwhelmed. And so much so that the linebackers were, were often right in that mess. Mm. And so that will be a little bit of the tension this year. Like, hey, it's all great. Be aggressive. Get off them blocks. Get upfield. Be disruptive. Get tackles for loss. Absolutely. But make sure you do it within the confines of the overall scheme. That makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. I, I really think we have to wait and see what this thing looks like because I think the the thing that jumps out to be most is what KJ said. They, they can't run exactly the same thing they did last year that didn't work, right? Uh, unless you unless the belief is well, they had the right scheme, it just didn't have the right talent, Personality. and they're going to do exactly mm-hmm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the case. And so I'll rely on you and KJ to sort of tell me what you're seeing out there, yep. and 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 help me decide and find out whether or not they thought it was scheme or whether it was personnel. I think they believed it was more personnel than scheme based on the fact that none of the personnel is back. Correct. I mean, none was of the Cam guys Young you out there yesterday, by the way. No, he's not going to be back till next week. Till next week. Yep. Okay. Man. So what am I, what am I putting in the public record here? Yeah. What, what I need you to put in the public Just record remember is, is to make sure to ask KJ how all of that aggressiveness matches with the team concept mm-hmm. matches with protecting those Bobby and Devin when those guys need to be protected at times too. Got it. Okay, thanks. I think we're ready. Ready to move on. Ready for what? Ready for more KJ stuff and Blue Eighty. You know what? You and I may need. You and I may need that Lewis Lit dictator. So maybe like we'll move the mic away and we can speak in or during breaks, so we can remember. I think we just need a personal assistant, somebody to come in here and just help us with all the things that we can't remember we're supposed to do. I know that it's seven forty-five, and at seven forty-five we do Blue Eighty-Eight. This is Brock and Sox Blue Eighty-Eight. Blue Eighty-Eight. We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. All right, Brock, let's start off with Geno Smith. When you think about him training camp this year and what we've heard from him and about him, what stands out? Ooh, I loved his answer yesterday. So he was in front of the media scrum yesterday. And as many words kind of asked, you know, to me, like, hey, man, do you need to do more? And now that you got your contract, can, can you take more risks and do more? Here was Gino's very explicit answer to that question. Oh, uh, no, nah, man. I, I was doing the same thing last year. Uh, my job is to go out there and, and uh, get the ball into the hands of the playmakers. And um, that's kind of where I focus. Uh, I'm not out here trying things. I'm out here trying to get better. And uh, it's a step-by-step process. Um, it starts with my fundamentals and my reads, obviously my accuracy, my leadership, um, the way that I prepare myself every day. So, no, I'm not trying things. I'm out here, you know, working as hard as I was last year, maybe if not harder. So uh, I want to be the best I can be, and I've got to continue to push myself every day. And to add on to that, when we ask Coach Carroll, hey, what's a step that Gino can take this year? What is something in his game maybe a little underappreciated or that you got to make sure he's on point? Here was Pete with us, cut 12, just a couple days ago. The main thing that comes to mind is his consistency. Uh, for instance, this was the day, yesterday was the day that he comes to my office. He, he has this mark from last year's calendar. And he, he, he came on this very day last year. In, in, in camp to talk to me about what can I do better? What can I, you know, where do I need to improve? And, and uh, it was it was cute that, you know, he showed up and he's waiting there. He's all sweating after his workout yesterday. And he wanted to know, okay, what, what do I need to do to get better? His constant about that and his constant uh, and consistency that keeps showing up, I think is what's going to be the key to this season. You know, we're not asking him to do anything unique or special or out of the ordinary. We want him to just play the game like he, he knows how to play it. 
This is why I bite back a little bit at you with the Daryl Taylor and the highest potential and highest upside and all of that stuff to me, especially now at like 47 and kind of watching my own kids develop and, and now over the last couple of years helping you know and coach and teach and try to give some of my institutional knowledge back to younger players and, and over the years even helping and coach some, some high school quarterbacks, Mike. It is not what you do once. There are a lot of guys on this planet, I do believe this, that could go play an NFL game, play quarterback, and be very confident, be like, wow, that guy can play. But can you do it over and over and over, right? It was what Tom and Peyton and Drew, gosh, it's what sets you apart is to do those things. One of the things on Hard Knocks, and I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch those, is, you know, I don't think most people, if you were to survey them, I think most would say, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, kind of slacker, you know, great talent. Just kind of a little bit of a diva, and I don't think you understand that guy's commitment to work. And so they had a scene in the QB room. Did I tell the story yesterday? Mm. And if I did, I apologize. Had a scene in the QB room, right, where Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle have to try to guess runner pass. So he takes a snap, and, and he's two steps into his drop, and he's at the mesh point with the back, and they guess run or, or play action pass, run or play action pass. <laughs> and it was a great scene. And, and Tim Boyle one time was like, oh, he shortchanged that one. That's definitely a pass and or definitely a run. And it was play X pass. It was like, what? What did you say about me? Like, you couldn't even tell. And that only comes with an unbelievable, consistent work ethic to every single detail. Gino certainly seems to have that at this stage of his career. All right. Question number two. Here's another one from KJ. I got to know whether or not you think this is true. Asked about Derek Hall, he said. Now, watch them at practice. That practice I was telling you guys about. He was at right outside linebacker. It was blitz period. And when I tell you he put just a monster long arm on that tackle and just buried that guy to the dirt, I'm like, this dude is for real. And I told him in production meetings when I saw him. I said, I want to put this type of pressure on you, young man. But with the practice that I saw, you could potentially be defensive rookie of the year. And he just looked at me like, bro, what are you talking about? I said, yes. <laughs> like, with your skill set, with your strength, with your energy and your effort that you have, you could be defensive rookie of the year in what I saw. And so I'm really excited to see him take that next step in this preseason game. But Derek Hall is going to be fun to he's watch. Big, now, is this because they're both from Mississippi? Or yeah. is Derek Hall legitimately a candidate to be defensive player or rookie of the year? You know what you got to be very, very, very careful doing in life. Good lesson for all of us. Assuming? Uh, that, and be careful about doubting a prophet. Okay, last year, KJ... <laughs> KJ was a prophet a lot more than he was a man. Time after time. Oh, this is going to be a nine-win team. Oh, Gino's going to play great. Oh, oh, come on. Come on, KJ, you homer. That guy nailed a bunch of his prophecies oh, yeah? and prognostications. So I, I'm, I'm very careful to say that will never happen. Derek Hall competing for, first of all, he's competing three ways with three different guys for snaps. <laughs> Secondly, in in this scheme and system, I mean, I mean, I guess Daryl got six and a half year two after a redshirt year in this league. So, to me, six and a half is a great number, but that's not defensive rookie of the year numbers. And we know we learned this last year, man. It's hype train, right? You got to get that hype train going. And, and Reek did, you know, for half the season or so, but eventually that ran out. If he is even mentioned on anybody's top 10 list or top five list, that is a home run bonanza for the Seahawks. I just think because of the limited snaps and reps, that might be a little hard to get to. All right. Question number three. 
Well, Brock, how's it going for Russ in Denver? <sighs> Not great. <laughs> actually, this week, uh, you know, he's had his best practices. This week, he actually. Oh, good. Yeah, he actually, it's, it's become more competent. What was the one thing? that I said again and again when that trade happened mm. over the last 18, 19 months that I wanted to see from Russ. Uh, you either wanted to see him you know, relate to his teammates yes. or be humbled. Yes. Both. Yeah. Just, just be vulnerable, man. Just relate. Just get on a level where you relate. How's that for and, Well, if, if the friction for maybe the front is, hey, I got to get mine and I got to protect the team, the friction for Russell in his life is I want to be neutral. I want to be uber, uber, uber neutral in everything that I do. There's never bad. I, I don't. The, the, the trade off of that is relating to people and relating to your teammates. Like, no, it is bad. Like, that was a bad day. That was a tough day. I, I can admit that. Now, I don't have to be affected by it. I think new, if neutral is this some psychological thinking that, oh, everything is always fine, I just, I think that's a dangerous, dangerous place to live. I think you need to be real. I think you need to be transparent. I think there's a time to be vulnerable and admit that this is brutal, right? This is really hard. This is really, really tough. And we're all going to get through it. But, man, to, to not do that, mm. I don't think I have heard him once any at anything publicly say that, yeah, last year was humbling and it was really hard. And I'm going to learn a lot from it. We're going to all be better for it. I don't think I've heard that once. And, man, I think that that would do wonders. That's today's Blue 88. Uh, three good football questions for Brock. Speaking of uh, our Derek Hall conversation there about whether or not he could be defensive rookie of the year, I don't know if he can or not, but I did like this description of his legs from KJ yesterday. Uh, this man, I was in production. <laughs> I was in my first production. Meeting. He had like these Daisy Dude oh, shorts yeah. on. Looked like he just got doing doing some quad sets, like just lifting some weights. Like quads look like watermelons with muscles on them. You guys ever seen that? So watermelon with muscles on them. And um, he walked in there production, me and some short shorts on. I'm like, this man is just ripped. All right. KJ can't say this man enough. Every time he says it, it's funny. So good. But I like that not only does he make the reference of watermelons with muscles on them, but then he asks us seriously if that's something we've ever seen. Hey, you ever seen a watermelon with muscles on it? No. Where in the world would I have seen that? Have you seen his knees? He's like, what are you talking about? Hold on, Maura. You make fun. During the break, I showed KJ the picture we have of his knee, and he goes, damn, that's a big knee. Like, (laughs) KJ actually ended up agreeing with me when it came to his gargantuan knees. So hey, don't don't knock it. Don't I? I turned out to be uh, okay will, on that. Okay. One. Yeah, you, you probably will. All right, Jerry Depoto is going to be a little late today. We'll talk to him an hour from now at nine o'clock rather than the usual eight thirty. Before we get there, though, Brock, we are on to our number seven most intriguing Seahawk, and I probably have him higher on my list than others do. It's next. I'm Brock and Salk.